Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. Today with me are my guests, co-host and media consultant of the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Fine. How are you, John? I am doing well. I also have with me Circulation Director of the Cincinnati Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to be here. Good to hear. And with us, we also have our Herald intern, Suhana Sinhan. How are you doing today, Suhana? Hey, John. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. So let's head into some of the top news topics of the week. And with our first topic, hundreds of thousands of Ohioans have already signed up for the state's Vaximillion sweepstakes, a first-of-its-kind lottery that only people vaccinated against the COVID-19 uh, virus can enter. And according to local data, vaccinations are up 53% for this lottery. Vaximillion will award five separate prizes of $1 million to its winners, whose names will be announced every Wednesday starting May 26. The payout comes from Ohio's CARES Act pandemic recovery funds. Andrea, your thoughts on the story, and are you surprised with the amount of people showing up to get their vaccinations now? Um, I'm not surprised. I think it, it's a very, I have to commend the governor for coming up with a very creative way to encourage people to get vaccinated. I mean, it's a, it's a one in a, what is it, a one, one in a billion, one in a million chance of winning a million dollars and you got five chances. That's better than the actual lottery. And I think, um, I mean, I signed up for it. I got vaccinated and I, you know, I've been vaccinated, but I signed up for it. I was like, you know, let's take a shot. I never win, but you never know, it's a chance. And I think it's a good chance to change people's lives, not only for health reasons, for getting the shot, but also for a monetary reason of an incentive to be like, okay, change my life more than one way. I think it's fantastic. Wade, uh, your thoughts on the story? Like Ms. Carter, I wasn't surprised at all. I think we mentioned it last week and I, I, I was pretty sure that that would get the wheels rolling again in terms of what the government was trying to do to uh, stimulate some more people to uh, uh, sign up and uh, go ahead and take the vaccine. Uh, very creative. Uh, I'm, I'm sure his team uh, spent a lot of hours on that one, but uh, it, it accomplished what he hoped it would do. And so uh, we'll see how, how it goes forward. Suhana. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. I think it's also a very creative way of getting around the HIPAA laws because in there, you agree to let them see your health information to verify if you've been vaccinated or not. Because the other way that they were going to do it, they were going to run into HIPAA laws where they were not did not have permission to check who had been vaccinated. So... I think it's very creative and also very an ethical way to be able to give away some money and check people check on someone if they are the winner at the same time for health reasons. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a very good point. Suhana, your thoughts on this uh, Vax a Million story? Um, John, first of all, I'm finding it really hard to believe that it really exists. I thought, you know, this is one of those um, propositions that government give out, but they don't do anything about it. But it's making me almost personally excited to see this uh, lottery even happening. 
uh, I didn't apply for it, but I am extremely excited to see if anybody, I know maybe if Andrea wins the lottery uh, and with the $1 million and vaccine in the running in the blood, it will be an exciting thing to see. It's, I think for all the people who were skeptical about the lottery itself, they must be having uh, this uh, new knowledge about, uh, it must be fascinating in general to people that uh, it, initially many people must have thought it's a silly lottery, will probably not take in any returns. But uh, now that it's happening and it has, as Andrea mentioned, that it has increased the rate of vaccination a lot, by I, I think about 50%, uh, 43%, I, I'm, I don't remember the number, but the increase in the vaccinators, that's the primary goal and that's what we want. And, and as the goal is being achieved with the method, which is almost fun to see, it makes this a whole uh, time really exciting. And I would like to, you know, see that, you know, a few years later, when people make a record of this pandemic era, and uh, somebody makes this small note in the history that, uh, yeah, during pandemic in 2021, uh, the governor of Ohio will get given uh, a plan, a lottery like this to get people vaccinated. And I, I, today it sounds bizarre and it's interesting. I'm sure I want to see how, how people think and react to it more in the future. But for now, it's a great initiative and uh, I would I already like to congratulate the winners. So congratulations on your million dollars, everyone. Yes, indeed. Um, and definitely good luck to the people who um, win. Okay, so moving on to our next topic. The House of Representatives passed legislation Tuesday to increase resources for investigating hate crimes, especially those targeting the Asian American and Pacific Islanders communities. The vote was 364 to 62 to pass the legislation, and it is now headed to President Joe Biden for his signature. The Senate previously passed the measure with overwhelming bipartisan support, 94 to 1. The COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act was introduced in March after a dramatic increase in the number of attacks and level of violence against the AAPI community following the emergence of the coronavirus first detected in China. Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? I think it it was needed because, you know, discrimination, even though we have discrimination laws um, that you're not supposed to discriminate against anyone, I think extra attention needed to be paid to the Asian community because of the long continual harassment of the community by the former president and his hanger-ons or wannabes, or I should say groupies, um, that are attacking the Asian community for no valid reason. Just because something started in China does not mean every Asian is the cause of a virus. I think that's warped thinking, it's wrong. Um, I think it's sad that they had, a, they had to pass a bill to address this issue when we already have laws in place addressing the issue, but sometimes you have to add a little more weight to kick somebody in the butt to not do something. Wade, your thoughts on this news story? Actually, I think it's a little embarrassing. As she just mentioned, uh, we already have laws in effect. You have your civil rights laws, you have uh, terrorist laws, you have all these things already in effect. And for them to be able to say, okay, well, we're going to take this particular uh, fraction and said, we're gonna just make laws directly for them or, or to protect them. Uh, when you've had over 400 years of uh, crimes and 
atrocities done against the black folks, but you can't make any provisions just for black folks. So I think it's embarrassing. Sure, we we hate what we see with the any kind of discrimination uh, and all that. But again, we already have those laws in place. If they would just enforce those laws, they do, would not have to come up with special laws for anyone. Suhana, your thoughts on this uh, subject? John, uh, being an uh, Asian studies uh, student and also representative of the Asian community, being an Indian origin, this topic is very personal to me. It's, it, it really bothers me. And as Wade said, that this is embarrassing, that a new law has to be enforced for a, a community's protection. I, but at least I'm happy that it didn't, take, it didn't take another century for a minority group in America to get justice. Uh, I'm glad that it didn't take a century. Moreover, the fact uh, the, the I don't know how long and how many separate uh, laws that we have to pass to make sure safety and well-being of every minority group in America. Uh, yeah, there was a long-term notion. When you step in the America, you pay, pay, when as an immigrant, you step inside America, you pay this American dream tax, which is not written in any law, but it is uh, inherent understanding that, hey, if you come to America and uh, you decide to make a life for yourself, uh, a little bit of hate and a little bit of racism is a what you will have to tolerate. And uh, that's a part of the bargain. You just try your best to stay safe. When this pandemic hit, I, I, and I honestly, like this was uh, going on for a very, very long time since uh, I wish I would say uh, years, years ago, when uh, Asians started immigrating in um, America uh, post, um, post the wars, world wars and the, uh, the turmoil the countries had with China. Uh, since the Asian immigrants entered for uh, the railroad construction or the Great West movement, in any ways, there has always been, and, and the, of course, in the last few, last month, we have seen the sh in number of shootings and the increase in hate crimes that have been happening since, uh, uh, bit, uh, since like the 9-11 and the, this pandemic era. The numbers have been great. It has been huge and so many TV shows that have come in and to life now, like Fresh of the Boat, have very passively tried to uh, address this kind of issues that are going on. And I don't know for how long the community has even been speaking about it. I, I should be happy that the government finally takes a notice of this hate and decides to take an initiative to control. But the, my, my words go out to the people who think it's all right to be so wrong to other person. You... A 90-year-old man was walking down the street and he was pushed on the road and he passed away. Uh, I, I, it makes me think that how, why would you need a ethnicity-specific law to protect you, protect the person from walking down in the most democratic nation of the world? It makes me appalled thinking that there are people out there who think it's all right to hurt someone because you just can't tolerate thinking about their existence. And that's not fair. You Nobody has a, a right out there, regardless of which constitution states. Actually, as a matter of fact, for human rights, 
the UN that tells us that we have human rights as every citizen in the world. It is wrong to spread such a hate. And I'm happy, I guess I am happy that the law has been passed, but I don't know after how many losses of countless people and so much humiliation of so many people, women, men and children. I don't know how much we have seen to finally come up to this, but uh, great, uh, my great respect go out to the Asian community leaders out there who were so vocal this particular last year and this year. And usually the experiences of trauma and hate are uh, wrapped under the carpet and uh, never spoken or talked about just with the fear of embarrassment, humiliation, or just simply by not being understood. This brings in so many topics of mental health and feeling the need of safety. Law enforcement, mental psychologists, so many things that come under this broad topic of suffering in some form of abuse. And uh, I am just glad that this time people after, the, uh, and I think I should give a great thanks to Black Lives Matter movement that uh, reignited this feeling among citizens in this country and people around the world that, uh, you can raise your voice. You can raise your voice when you don't feel things are right. And I'm, I'm so thankful for, to the leaders out there who raised their voice in these times and didn't come down to the pressure of either what judgment people have about the Asian community or what judgment the previous uh, US President Donald Trump um, proceeded to spread this notion among the people in this country that uh, with the words like Chinese virus or showing his distaste for Asian communities through his international policies, which were heavily sanctioned in North Korea and uh, forced it to not be, uh, be able to do trade with other countries around him. So in a, in, in a way, this small change is, is a very big victory and it almost assures people around the world that oh, America actually doesn't ask for a dream tax. It, it is more than willing to notice and make space for its people. And uh, that feeling as an Asian, as, an, uh, as a person, as a non-citizen here, it makes me feel very assured. So uh, moving on to our next topic. The Fifth Third Foundation announced the recipients of the $1.2 million in grants for Black women-owned businesses and the organizations that serve them through the Innovation Meets Main Street Boosting Black Woman-Owned Business Program that was announced in September 2020. The initiative was a partnership between Local Initiative Support Corporation and the Association for Enterprise Opportunity and was completely powered by Fifth Third as a part of a larger $8.75 billion pledge to support small businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. Andrea, your thoughts on this uh, new story? I just stop and think about that because there are so many initiatives out there addressing minority businesses that I was sort of kind of like, oh, great, another program or another grant. But if people just acted accordingly, we wouldn't have to have another program or another grant for minority businesses. They would just be in the business community getting the contracts left and right. Um, but I'm happy about it. I'm very, very happy about it. Wade, your thoughts? We saw this once before in the late 60s, early 70s. And when a lot of the money was flooded into the uh, minority communities to help assist uh, businesses and all, 
when we went through that time after the civil rights movement at all. So I'm hoping that, that the uh, women see this for what it is. Do not make the same mistakes that a lot of those businesses have made uh, during that time where they got a lot of that money. And uh, I don't know if the correct term is to say misuse it, uh, abuse it, but they didn't do the things necessary to make those businesses last long-term. Uh, they had a whole lot of cash or money to, to do things with. And I would say the majority, truly the majority of them uh, did not understand uh, the magnitude of what was happening, what they could have done with those funds and what they could have done, what they could have built going forward. And I would, I would venture to say uh, 90, maybe 90% of those businesses uh, within 10 years were, were, were gone. So uh, hopefully the uh, women understand that this is the, the years, not the year, but the year of the one years of the woman uh, for the next 10 years or so, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to uh, help them move forward. And uh, hopefully they won't make the same mistakes that were made in the past. Suhana, your thoughts on this new story? John, I feel uh, women have uh, grown into making six, so many significant contributions in history and today. And um, historically, we never felt uh, women were equipped enough uh, or were not capable enough, but uh, with, right, with the changing of times and right education and social development and economic changes that have come into the place. We all are standing together here as one with the right resources that come out for the help of these people is what makes it wonderful. I feel um, it would have been really sad if there was no support out there and people were asked to figure their uh, businesses and their lives out in this pandemic without, without any help or guidance. Uh, in terms of that, I feel Fifth Third has taken a great initiative in uh, targeting minority women businesses. Though, honestly, I'm getting a little tired of this uh, of the two words that uh, makes so much buzz, which is minority and women. I think as, as a society, we should really accelerate our uh, progress mentally and get done with making a big deal out of the words minority and women, because uh, I think both of the sectors have been in the societal role play for a very, very long time. And, uh, and uh, making them sound so exclusive is just, I'm, I'm so bored of it. I really want things to be very general. I mean, honestly, if at the start of pandemic, if all the big companies didn't hold on the financial subsidiaries that government provided, uh, this topic would not have been that big of a deal because let's face the truth. We know that um, big companies, despite they are extremely capable of supporting themselves with all the profits that they have made in, in this, even in considering the whole one year, they still chose to cut down on their employees and still make sure the margin of the profit is not accepted. And at the same time, taking subsidies from the government, which were meant for people who were truly not in a position to afford. So here we are in one of the, another day at a beautiful a uh, complicated societal life. And there's another plan that is there to help people out there whom the people who are extremely in power were not directly able to help. 
So here we are another day on the news. This time it's uh, initiated to make the lives of minority women better. And uh, I hope it makes the life of those uh, participants better. And um, more, more gets better. Yeah, that's you what, know what John, I agree with Suhana, because I mean, it's, it's kind of like what I said before, we've been there, done this before. It's like everyone, anytime anyone gets in trouble or they need to make up for something they, they did, oh, let's whip out another minority program. Oh, let's tackle this time, let's just focus on women. Other times just focus on men. Other times just focus on this. It seems like they always want to just focus on and do a band-aid instead of just doing what's right and be inclusive. That's the reason why I said, you know, like Sianna said, it's been there, done that. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. Uh, the only thing I can hope though is like, maybe this time will be different and, you know, just try to try to be optimistic about that. Yeah, I mean, John, what is the next thing that we are looking at? Are we looking at, um, uh, we have introduced funds and program for people exclusively from LGBTQI community. This is only to support LGBTQI businesses. Just make it, it, it's nice. It sounds really nice on, on when I word it out. Believe me, it sounds really nice. It must sound like that it be a, we are being inclusive of a community, but it's almost like, okay, this was not need to be made special. This as this sounds very controversial, but uh, making anything exclusive just somehow separates them from a general idea that, so now that we are talking about that, okay, minority groups and women women groups or people with sexuality groups, we are not, who are the normal people then? It's in a way we are saying that the white community or uh, the people who are rich are the normal people and we all are just the outliers. When we clearly we are all at a significant numbers. And I think, uh, I, honestly, I would love a re rewiring of this whole society, but the, we exist here. This is what we have got and we have to play by it. But good move by Fifth Third. Okay, so let's move on to our next topic. Representative Val Demings is planning to challenge Florida Senator Marco Rubio, giving Democrats a boost in a competitive 2022 race that could decide control of the Senate. Demings gained national recognition as a House prosecutor in President Donald Trump's first impeachment trial and had been considering a run for governor in Florida. The Congresswoman was also considered a leading contender to be Joe Biden's running mate in the 2020 presidential race. Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? I am so excited. I, I, I just, when I saw the, when the advertisement popped up on Facebook where she was looking for donations for her run, I was like, go ahead. She's a very dynamite woman. And I think she's going to give Mark Rubio a run for his money. I think everyone recognized that, that Rubio, he has not done well by Florida. He has not done by well by the country. And I think she is, she has a fight in her hand because it's Florida. But at the same time, Florida knows what's best for them. And they will vote for what's best at times. And I think they're going to, I think they might just, you know, change and, stand behind Valerie instead of Rubio. I'm very excited. I can't wait to see their first debate. Wade, your thoughts on this news topic? I too am excited about this. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a necessary thing. For so long, uh, the political races uh, between with the Republicans and the Democrats 
a lot of times they will just sit by and either not run someone or they will run someone that's a little lacking so that the uh, uh, favorite uh, person will go ahead and win. They won't put up a, a opponent that is capable of uh, beating that person because they play political favors. Uh, so I think it's, it's good. I think it's time that more and more people step forward like this that, that are going to work for the people, that are going to work for the government, that's not afraid to say, okay, if you're not going to put somebody out there worthy uh, to, to run for this position, I'll do it myself. So I think this is very good, and I hope we'll see more of this going forward. Suhana, your thoughts on this news story? Uh, I think, John, it has been a very politically exciting um, year. And uh, this is one more a very exciting thing that we are seeing will happen in Florida this time. But the women candidate that has come against, that has come for, for the race, uh, is not any lightweight politician out there. She, as we know, like she was good enough to be considered uh, for the uh, Joe Biden's uh, running mate. In that case, I'm just excited, though she didn't, I don't know, um, she didn't end up becoming a part of the presidential movement, but uh, I'm sure if, if she uh, wins in Florida, she will have, people will have a great time under the leadership of such a capable person. And uh, I'm excited to see how it turns out. Uh, I wish her all the best for this victory. And now moving on to our final story of the day. President Joe Biden and administration officials have encouraged Prime Minister Benjamin uh, Netanyahu and other top Israeli officials to wind down their bombardment of Gaza. Disclosure of the stepped up White House efforts comes as the Israeli and Palestinian death tolls mount and pressure grows on Biden to move more forcefully to stop the fighting. According to the Associated Press, at least 213 Palestinians and 12 people in Israel have been killed. Andrea, your thoughts on this topic? Well, I, I think Netanyahu has put us in a precarious position. Because we support Jerusalem, um, both in policy and monetary, we, you know, we stand by the, by, by the Jewish state. And I think at the same time, there comes a point in time where you just have to say enough is enough. The fact that the Hamas has taken advantage of the Netanyahu's regime, which has come under fire several times, even though he's been reelected, he's sketchy. And when you're sketchy, eventually something's going to erupt and cause problems. And here it is. And he's going to drag his the, the allies into this situation where it shouldn't be happening. I think that um, the Jewish people, the more damage is done from this war, I think the more they're going to have to take stock on who's leading them. And you might see a government change. Wade, your thoughts on this story? This is a real tricky one because... Uh... Like Andrea Carter was saying, that we are uh, very, very uh, big allies of Israel. And if you are have any political aspirations or you're in a some type of corporation, public figure in a corporation and everything, it's very deadly to, to speak anything against them. Uh, so uh, we've been put in a in a very frail situation with this one. Uh, and this might be what defines the Biden administration for the next four years, what happens here. And uh, I can't say too much on this as I might be running for political office as the president of the United States. So I'll just leave it at that. 
<laughs> that's that's good. Suhana, your thoughts on this story? I know you um you suggested it earlier actually, so I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about this. So John, the thing is people like this whole Israel Palestine they it's the topic is as it's a bit complex. We we think that it must be a centuries old conflict that has started from I don't know when, how many years ago, and now it's still there. It's actually very recent. It have this conflict took birth around a hundred years ago, uh, after the fall of Ottoman Empire and the World War One during World War One, and uh, the conflict has been uh, has the conflict since then. Uh, it has rose and changed its ways, and had there were several wars between both the countries and uh, so many territories shifting from 1947 till now uh, that uh, that this 100 years that has, things have changed have recently taken what is happening right now is a is a result of what is what has happened in this last 40 50 years as us has a direct relation with with the people, uh, folks from jerusalem and we we stand by them financially and sometimes uh, militarily slightly complicated but it's overall a human human interest problem I, I would just want the war to end because and you see like john it has been so many years that both the sides have compromised in fair share way but it has not led to any proper resolution or solution but what bothers me the most uh, at this time is not the conflict between the two countries we have somehow um, like born in the, in this time that I'm born in. Somehow my brain is more wired to accommodate the conflict that has been happening. So somehow my brain has wired that, okay, I can accommodate with this existence of this conflict. But uh, what recently has triggered me the most in terms of the conflict between these two places, Palestine, Israel, and, uh, and now the in, and situation in Gaza, is because of this recent bombing. I am I'm bothered by this is because we are literally in the middle of pandemic and uh, war zones are not uh, separated from a pandemic. Between such a massive crisis where world is barely, you know, swimming to the shore. At that time, you decide to bring in the uh, hostility and hate and problems that you have with your fellow neighbor and, uh, you ignore all the fact that this is a pandemic that's going on. You decide to throw a bomb. You break the buildings. You take civilians' life. And um, whether we blame on the terrorist groups there or the radical groups there or people who are incorporating or the futility of the government uh, or just this long recurring history which is which has led to this point, blame it on colonization, blame it on so Arabs, whoever we want to blame on this situation. I think regardless of where you come from, what you are, you it's a basic common understanding that this is a pandemic. This hatred is not worth right now. And um, um, uh, on, on behalf of US, I, I feel I feel really sometimes feel bad for the US that uh, every time anything happens in the world and uh, I, I somehow US becomes the frontline player to take the blame. And I'm sure people have all the probably right reasons to blame the American government for a conflict that's happening in their country. But uh, it, I feel like it's all, we are hiding behind shadows and uh, trying to 
ignore over the right important things that are actually affecting like where are your tax money going or is why is not government providing better facility regardless of where you're into or why is this so much money getting invested in military things things like this and um, maybe this is just in um, staying in america this is probably a privileged outlook that i'm having but uh, i seem to have an understanding that people either by a pandemic or a bomb are dying regardless so if i'm sitting here in this privileged position and i can not tolerate the pain that people are going through in a part of the world which is only existing through our imagination because none of us are really aware what's happening there in day to day basis but it's not a good news and uh, i'm glad we discussed this topic today because uh, though i'm sure everybody feels that uh, why are you bombing during a pandemic it is nice that we all are talking about it the the country does the people there it's not about the countries it's the people there who really need our support i i think also what's interesting is the timing of this war you know there's a power struggle going on in the middle east right now especially with the americans pulling out of Afghan- afghanistan i think we're supposed to be out of out of there by september by 9/11 and i i think that everyone involved with Hamas in you know this back and forth of Hamas and Jerusalem right now um i i think it's just a tipping point of the unspoken power grab that's going on around the middle east to figure out how is this going to play out with the americans leaving at least on in one aspect of the middle east but not i think we're still in other places but i think it's interesting to see what this is what what this truly is is a i think it's either a political power grab or it's just a power grab and they see it as a sign that if we go after the jewish state now we will um we'll be able to take over their land and um make things right for the palestine and move them out of the way i'm speculating I I agree with actually I agree with Andrea. I was thinking that somewhere US pulling its troops out of Afghanistan could be the could have somehow triggered this instances but I'm I'm still a bit confused and it is only a speculation. We support the Jewish state but also we support Jordan. And between those two countries are better side by side we have a hold on those two areas. And then we've been in Afghanistan for eons. now we're pulling out of afghanistan but we still sort of have a hand in jordan and jerusalem and um it is i shouldn't say jerusalem but the jewish state i mean it is you know with that going on there is a sense that a sign of weakness that while we're distracted here we can take advantage here and see where you know the you know what the next distraction is going to be for the power grab and i think this is just the tipping point i'm waiting to see what iran does you know john um the fun thing is guess what what comes with the war except for the huge mortality rate that it generates and the destruction of the cities and it's all the national treasures with come with the war comes the uh, weapons purchase of weapons and uh, selling of web, uh, weapons is one of the huge biggest trades around the in this world and it generates a lot 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 of money i it's it's a probably a shallow move of this uh, increased sales of weaponry but uh, 
yeah, I mean, we, we, we are in this pandemic, at least the weapon industry is financially secured with this, you know, this recent attack that hang out some guns and some bombs were sold. Oof, we had a financial tough year. I, I'm, at, I'm in a hindsight, it's a good year for the weapon industry. They always said follow the money. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's sad, and you know, this this whole Israel and Palestine thing. It's um, it's a very sore subject and a sensitive subject with a lot of people. And you know, I'm just like, I just hope both sides can come to a peaceful conclusion one day. But I don't know. That may be a little naive of me to think that. Well, I think I think that's the wish for everybody that you know, um, Israel. Um, Hamas, the Palestinians, they all come to a peaceful solution. I mean, basically, we stopped Iran from going after Israel, but at the same time, we didn't stop anybody else from going after Israel. And Palestinians have been waiting a long time, and Hamas said, you know what, we're tired, we're going to strike. And they did. And But I don't think anyone expected the destruction to be this severe. And, you know, it, it's it's... It's just a matter of time to see who else is going to come in to aid Hamas. And that's when the tipping point of power in the Middle East is going to occur. Who's going to come and aid? Is it going to be Turkey? Is it going to be Iran? Is it going to be Iraq? You know, is um, a cutter going to come in and do something? Or are they going to sit back and relax and watch? I mean, really and truly, it's going to be to see who wants to control the traffic um, the goods that are coming into the Middle East because Israel it has that port. In um, Jordan has the Red Sea. Israel sits right on the Red Sea. So I mean, it's it, it's it's interesting to see what's going to happen. You know, I people who are listening out there, I don't want them to be fooled thinking that this act resemblance one hundred percent of people's sentiments. As a matter of fact, after so many years of conflict, we people of both these countries have sat down and uh, have somehow made their peace with this thought that we are willing to kind of forgive and let go if we are just granted peace. This is not the opinion of every person who is a part of those nations. This is opinion of people who are in power and people who were actually not able to forget this. But it's truly a power struggle and it's truly a lost place with loss of peace. And uh, we must not uh, forget, we, we often associate acts of a country's uh, governing government with the, the behavior of the people. And uh, this time my heart goes out to people because all they have really wanted from all these years is to be at their holy land or get the peace. Well, that is it for today. And I must say that was a uh, great discussion that we all had. Make sure to check out the stories we talked about today on our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and at select service stations. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast sites. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Herald Podcast. Follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. 
follow us on YouTube, just search for The Herald TV. And you can also follow us on our TikTok channel, just search for The Cincinnati Herald. And remember folks to get vaccinated so we can reach herd immunity. And if you're interested in Vaximillion, and who isn't interested in a million dollars, you can enter your own name at ohiovaximillion.com or call 1-833-427-5634. I want to thank our guests, Andrea, Suhana, and Wade for coming on today, guys. It, it was a very lively discussion. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald, and have a good day.